Welcome to Front Row from 2LO Rebooted, where we share the stories of the people who make up design and engineering. I'm Bill Thompson, and in this edition we talk to data engineer Tom Dawes and find out how our Chief Operating Officer Chris Burns got her start in radio. But first, more about women in STEM. On a recent trip to Media City, I met Prue Stubbs, who's the events coordinator for the growing Women in STEM network in the BBC. And I asked her to tell me first what the term means. So STEM um, is science, technology, engineering and maths. And where does women in STEM come from? There are um, a bunch of women. Some are in London and some are in the north. And they were like, hey, we have really cool jobs. We really need to get some more women here because that would be wonderful. They want to get more women into these really cool jobs. And so they decided that uh, they needed an, an event coordinator because their vision is to have really cool recruitment events and to be able to inspire the next generation of women who are going to do these STEM careers, not only here at the BBC, but also in other places as well, but also for our internal BBC Women in STEM community. Um, they want the BBC STEM community to be supported, so we're going to do a mentor scheme, we're going to uh, look at retention very specifically. So yeah, they decided that they needed someone to come and do that, and because I had worked in the new talent team at the BBC Academy, um, I happen to be the best person for the job. And tell me something about the events you're helping to put together. Obviously we're at the beginning, but my experience at the BBC Academy, this is what's going to happen. So I have, for example, a Women in Tech event that is a networking and uh, recruitment event happening on the 12th of June called Women in Tech. And it's going to be an hour of speakers and two hours of networking and nibbles and people getting to know each other and hopefully getting a job and ideas about BBC jobs and it's going to be fantastic. And this is at Broadcasting House isn't it in the in the early evening? In the early evening um, but what my my approach is slightly different from other people who have done it because I have said that I don't think all of our 50 external guests are going to want to stay for the entire three hours. So I'm going to open it up um, between seven and eight o'clock for a couple of more BBC bods to come in and um, network because I'm, I really, really want to retain the amazing talent that we already have whilst finding the best new talent. There's an element of retention as well as recruitment that part of the, the role mm. of the Women in STEM group is just to make make the BBC feel a better place to work for, for everyone, but especially for those women who might find particular difficulties. Yeah, one of my things that uh, I'm, I'm really passionate about, because I came into the BBC through an, a scheme called Extend. Um, so my first job was as the Extend, which is someone with disability, researcher for Songs of Praise had a great job with that, but found that there were a lot of people who are in the BBC who have just everyday issues that can be easily overcome because they have 
maybe a disability that they've just been living with and haven't got any extra help with actually we have support for that and there are people who are working with work-life balance who maybe need to work from home and be a bit more flexible or maybe need a bit more guidance to get them to the next level and that really struck me in my very first role and so as as soon as this uh, role came up and I read the description I knew that this was the job for me because these things which I had noticed when I first came here about thinking more about flexible working and it's not just for women who maybe have children or other caring obligations it's for uh, thinking about flexible working is for people who um, maybe they have a disability or something is going on and that's just one aspect of uh, some BBC thinking that with this role I can hopefully open the eyes of. So tell me again, sort of, you're, you're Women in STEM event coordinator. Are there then other Women in STEM team members or is it you organising that and then other people sort of just around you? So my role is pretty amazing that I have a steering committee. Yes, it takes an entire committee to get me to go where I need to be. Um, but they're doing it in their spare time and they don't they have a, a a BBC job and this is just something that they're very passionate about and so I am the person who is going to make what they're thinking about happen um including talking to the wider stem BBC community not only women but also men who maybe don't realize that they're actually in stem so there are people who work in audiences, for example, who are looking at um, data all the time, are doing some very specific and like magical maths that I couldn't even dream of. They are STEM. Part of my role is to go out and say, hey, you know, you, you are pretty fantastic and you are like a problem solver and like you're really passionate about this. Actually, there's a whole community of people who are similarly passioned let's get together have some fun grow and learn together so where do we find out more where should i send people if they want to know more about what you're doing last week i got um official confirmation that i'm going to have a official bbc twitter account bbc um we stem um that's gonna be my twitter account i'm also available on link I have a Facebook account for BBC staff and I also have a LinkedIn account because I think LinkedIn and Facebook are really interesting social media platforms that work in a very different way. The event that Prue mentioned takes place on Monday the 12th of June at Broadcasting House and you can find full details on Gateway. Not only did I get to interview Prue, but I also persuaded her to do some interviewing for 2LO as she gets to meet quite a lot of interesting DE people in her job. The first person she managed to get in front of a microphone was Tom Dawes, an experienced broadcast engineer who's currently working as a data engineer in English regions. My name's Tom Dawes. I'm a data engineer. I'm the only one in the BBC. They had to sort of invent a title for me, I think, because I'm a broadcast engineer by trade and I found my way onto Sarah's solution design team where we're doing a lot of data and analytics nowadays so I think I had to be given a title that wasn't broadcast engineer and had something to do with data so I ended up halfway in between and had 
data engineer. Because that's how specialised you are. So what does that actually mean you do, like on a day-to-day -day thing? We have data analysts and people who know data probably better than I do. But what I know is technology in general and servers and coding and things like that. So when the analysts need something technical putting together, something writing, something building, I'm the guy they go to for that. And an example of that would be... <laughs> At the moment I'm writing lots of Python scripts for analysing Huddle and Box and Dropbox and all those collaboration and file sharing tools we have which we're migrating to a single point. Yeah, so Huddle's one of our collaboration and file sharing instances that we've got to move off and onto Dropbox because everyone's going to go to Dropbox now instead. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to work out how Huddle works and the, the task is to be able to communicate with Huddle at a sort of a, not at the level that you see when you log into Huddle and, and interact with it through the web interface but sort of with the uh, API so the, the back end and, and get at the data that's underneath and then decide what we have to do to it to migrate it all to Dropbox. So a Python script not a comedy script? No not a Monty Python script um, it's a, a scripting language it's computer programming. What's your favourite thing you've done at the BBC? I started out as a local radio engineer and I still have very fond memories of everything I did there. The few times I got involved with live music and things, that was that's probably some of my favourite memories. It was only very occasionally, but I did enjoy that when I got to do that. Um, did you get to work then be famous? Like No, no, no this, this is local radio. <laughs> so tell me one thing you're passionate about. Um... The thing I'm interested in that drives me is problem solving in general um, and it doesn't really matter what field it is and at home I like doing puzzle books and things, I can't really stop problem solving so that's why this job's good, it just lets me do that, that's what I'm passionate about. Is there any advice you would give your younger self? I think there are lots of different routes to get where you're going. So, uh, especially with university now, I mean, I didn't particularly enjoy or get much out of university and I don't think I even really needed to go to get to where I am. There's lots of different routes, um, be it apprenticeships or, you know, just making it up as you go along, teaching yourself even, which is what I've done in the job. Find your own path and don't just do what people tell you to immediately unless you really trust them <laughs> and finally what's your favorite quote have you tried turning it off and on again Prue Stubbs there with Tom Dawes and finally let's find out a bit more about Chris Burns she's the chief operations officer or coup within D&E but I mostly know her from her days as head of group operations for radio and before that as a renowned radio producer we managed to find some time in her busy schedule, I think I'm required to say that whenever I interview someone, and I asked her about her early days in radio. It seems she started somewhat earlier than I'd imagined. 
I first started working in radio when I was at school. Like a lot of people actually work in radio, I wrote to my commercial radio station then and I suggested a various programme idea and because I was sort of uh, a cocky teenager, um, I said I could help. And I was very surprised when they actually wrote back and said, OK, then. So I did. And I ended up sort of at that particular local radio station and I did a whole variety of jobs. Which local radio? It was Radio Trent, which no longer exists, actually. Oh, really? That's how long ago it was. But it was, I mean, it was brilliant. And anybody who's been involved in local radio knows that the great thing about local radio is you learn a lot about everything, largely because necessity is the mother of invention. So if something comes up, they'll just say, do you know how to do that? And you might say no, um, or you'll say, well, I'm not sure, can you just show me? So somebody shows you what to do, and then you think, okay, well, I have a bash. So, you know, I learned how to use a portable recorder, I learned how to drive a desk, I learned how to upload stuff, how to edit, how to mix sound. How and to this was music. while you were This is while at I was at school. school. And then I went to university, did all those traditional things. And then when I left university, I went back to commercial radio, and... I, I think I, I applied, I was still freelancing, very often for free. I think at one stage I was a, a children's play leader, uh, which is the hardest job I've ever had, and producing the late night show on Radio Trent at the same time, which was an interesting combination, both ends of the day. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, no space to sleep. No, no, no but it, didn't, it didn't matter when you were 21, it didn't That's matter right, when you were 21. Yeah, you it do does anything. now, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it creeps up on it all does, of it, it does, it does, it does. So I, I, I applied for, for loads and loads of jobs and didn't get any of them. And of course, I applied for all the various jobs at the BBC and didn't get any of them. Then uh, I was presenting, in fact, on local radio, and uh, somebody, a chap called Dave Roby, who was setting up uh, a radio station called Radio Bedfordshire, called me and said, why don't you apply for a job as a producer? So I did at the BBC, and I was lucky enough to get it, and that was the start of my BBC career. I have disappeared several times since then, right. but um, that's... Yes, it. like yeah. many people, you, yeah, yeah. you, you yeah, yeah. go in and out. And what's special about radio for you, then? What is it about radio that really excites you still? I think what was special for me, and is still special for me about radio, there's something about the portability and companionship. I was the, the youngest in my family. And, you know, like many younger children, actually, you know, your brothers and sisters don't really want you around because you're a bit irritating. And so I spent quite a bit of time on my own and I used to listen to the radio and I used to sort of take the radio from room to room. And I grew up in Liverpool and Derbyshire and I can remember one day, and I still remember it to this day, hearing uh, a broadcaster, which... Most people in Deany will probably have to Google a chap called Ray Moore describing a place called London and a place called Piccadilly. And he just talked about the lights of Piccadilly glinting in the rainwater in the puddles. And it conjured up for me such a very vivid image. It's, I mean, it's an odd thing, but I can still remember it literally decades later. And I just thought, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to do, to have that power to be able to talk and describe the world. But what he also did, and he was, he was, an, he was a brilliant broadcaster, and I realised that when you know, I, I started working in the industry myself, what he was able to do was to connect with people. And it's interesting, you know, if we think about what D&E is doing now, what D&E is really 
all about. It's enabling that connection with people and that portability. Whereas in the old days, you know, you have to carry your radio around. Yes. These days, you can listen to audio whenever you like. It's got that portability and it's using technology to enhance it and increase it, which is amazing. But still trying to do that same thing about making that connection between the two people, the, the, the speaker, the listener, and that intimacy that comes from hearing it in your ear. And as you say, things which will stay with you forever. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because some people in Liverpool would have been inspired just to run away to London, <laughs> whereas you were inspired to want to do that to other oh, people. Yeah. I, just, I just thought to have that power would be amazing. I mean, I, you know, I, ne- I never had those skills as a, a broadcaster. I'd be the first to put my... I mean, I, I've worked with some brilliant broadcasters, so you know what brilliance is like. And when you've, when you've heard brilliance and you've worked with brilliance, you know how average you are, um, which is a good thing as well. Or, yep. You know, all good producers no. should know their limitations. Um, but it was one of those things. It just struck a chord with me. And, and you know, my mum will say, you know, they had no idea that I had this kind of fascination. You know, the first they knew I was really obsessed with the radio. Yeah, they saw me going around the radio all the time, but it was when all of a sudden this letter arrived from a local radio station kind of saying, yes, you can come and work for us. And I think, well, when did you do that? Yes, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there we go. It was great. And you mentioned sort of, you know, as a, as a producer, as someone who helps shape the work of other people, because that fits very much within your role now, which mm. is trying to manage large sprawling group of people yes yeah I think you know what a producer is at their best is they enable great things to happen and very often they come up with the ideas but their real skill is being able to kind of find the right cast of characters and sort of think no actually that idea is brilliant but it's best done over there that's, and you know, I think that's the, when you're a producer and editor, somebody once said to me, an editor looks after the year and a producer looks after a day. So what does a coup do? Well, a coup kind of looks after the year, I suppose. And what you're trying to do is position things so everything Fred, happens Fred, you look day. after the charter period. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's yeah, an yeah. even larger scale. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a, it's a five-year. It's a five-year. But it's, yes. it's, that's what you try to do. And you try to sort of, you know, if a producer's doing their job well, just as if a coup's doing their job well, you don't know they're there because they're invisible. Um, because everything is just happening. You know, what's um, wonderful about the BBC is you have a great opportunity to put people from different backgrounds and disciplines together and to work on something really special and innovative. I remember I I launched a a programme on uh, Radio 4 called Saturday Live, uh, which was launched... With Fee. With Fee, yeah, it was with Fee. And it took us a while to settle down, but we got there in the end. And I remember when we launched it, and I, me- I remember going to do the pitch to the controller of Radio 4 at the time, this chap called Mark Damaser. And I sort of said, so what we want to do, we want this to be an entry point for Radio 4 for people who don't want to listen to Radio 4. And the idea was that you were very often looking at things that were happening in the news, but you would take a completely lateral take on it. And I remember that the, the editor we had was somebody who had previously basically worked at Radio 1. The presenter was Fee, who was Five Live, a bit of Radio 4, local radio, GLR, uh, and obviously television as well. Um, I had one, what was called then 
interactive producer, but was a producer. Uh, I had somebody who'd come from children's, and I had somebody who'd come from a more traditional Radio 4 background. So it's a very mixed team. Very. And then I had sort of studio managers who came in and came out. But what I always tried to do is make sure that the studio managers were there on the Friday were also the same studio managers as there on the Saturday, so there was continuity. But the idea was you became a team. And there's something about, and the reason why I'm mentioning the story, you know, if you think about what we're trying to do in design and engineering, by having those very mixed teams, which is essentially taking people from different disciplines, whether that be a more traditional engineering world or a digital world or a content world, or somebody like me, jack of all trades, hopefully you take all those things, everybody opens their ears, and then you get a little bit of magic. Yeah, and you, and you end up creating something which is appropriate for the moment, for today, as we see you know, yeah. the digital transformation that we're talking about. And bigger than the sum of its parts. The bigger than what we can do on our own. You know, we can all have a great idea, but it becomes an even better idea when you start talking to other people about it. Your, your, your story about Saturday Live is, is really fascinating as well, because, of course, that was the programme that replaced Home Truths after yeah. John Peel died. So you had a real... It's like there was a gap, there was a thing that needed to be filled yeah. because things had changed and not necessarily in, in an expected way. Yeah. If I'm not stretching the analogy no, too no, much, no, no. at the moment, what yeah. we're seeing with the impact of, of the network, of IP, of all digital technologies on the world of broadcasting on the BBC is similarly... You know, there is a real sense that we have to do something about this. So that model of taking the people with all the right skills, putting them together, seems to be entirely appropriate. Well, it was just, and also, you know, you learn little things from people which sound very small, but really make a difference. I mean, one of the things, and if you've never heard him, Google him, John Peel used to do, was he was a brilliant presenter and was uh, one of the few presenters you could hear, when he mentioned the call-out, you know, call, email, it was so natural in the script. And very often, if you hear a traditional speech presenter, not so much now, but a few years ago, it never felt natural. It felt literally like a handbrake turn. And Fee was brilliant at doing this. She still is brilliant at doing it. And also, you know, little techniques like doing a forward trail at a certain time, because that was when people would be leaving the house or dropping off children. So using also, you know, the great information you got from audiences, marketing, putting all that together and then using the knowledge and skills around rather than kind of thinking, well, look, we're the experts, just leave it to us and we'll be fine. Yeah, that, that willingness to, to mm. listen to and learn from our audiences. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for, for sharing that with me. Um, I presume radio is still in your blood, so you want to carry oh, yeah, producing no, things at some point. Yeah, no, radio is still in my blood. You know, I'm, I'm here till July, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. But no, radio is very much in my blood. And, you know, it's the first thing I do in the morning is I put the radio on. It's the last thing I turn off at night. And, the, yeah, I still think it's magical. And, you know, it, it, it's very easy for us to forget what a wonderful place this is to work. I mean, I know there's lots of stuff that we'd like to see happen and it, it can be frustrating at times, but, you know, I think, you know, for me, sometimes working for the BBC it could, can sometimes feel like a bad love affair. You think, well, this is very bad for me, but, you know, you just can't give it up because it's just so all-consuming. 
you know, if you think about what's going on in this building today, so I've just gone downstairs and there's Steve Punk from the Noun Show kind of wandering around. You go outside, you've got W1A, you've got the One Show. Earlier on, you had tap dancing in the piazza, and then you've got serious news programmes being made, um, and you've got at least five different music stations being broadcast from W1. I mean, what a fantastically creative environment. And to actually be part of a division that is really supporting all of those services kind of push to the future and serve all those audiences. I mean, that's not a bad day's work, is it? That was Chris Burns bringing this edition of Front Row on 2LO Rebooted to an end. Next week, we talk to Ali Shah about the Blue Room and artificial intelligence. Please join us.